0: Welcome to Shouts of Grace with pastor and Bible teacher Steve Pearson of Redemption Hill Church in Eagle Mountain, Utah. At Shouts of Grace, it's our purpose to encourage you to see the Bible as God's source of truth for everyday life and grace as the foundation for a genuine relationship with God. Pastor Steve is teaching through Mark chapter 14, showcasing two types of faith in the same room, one real and one fake. This week's message is titled Alabaster Heart. Here's Pastor Steve. This is
1: why you bow down by your bed when nobody's around or you're in your car when you're going through difficult times and you're crying out to God. God, if you're there or God, I know you're there. Will you help me? Worship is internal, first and foremost. But also, you guys, it exists externally and there is a real desire for every person to express worship and to engage in worship externally which in part is what you just did right in part is 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 not just singing but it's living a life where you're you're portraying to people what God has done inside of you and when we contrast those two, The internal part of worship that's just you and the external, which we do in front of other people, a problem comes to the surface. What am I talking about? You guys, it's no secret that we live in a world whose reality is based on the five senses. Touch, see, hear, smell, and taste, right? This is the reality of the natural world. All of us are in it. And because we're a part of, of that world we find that it is a powerful way to determine the validity of our experiences right when you see something you hear something you feel something you sense that it's real and when you consider genuine worship you guys there's a part in all of us that validates that worship Externally, What do I mean? Some of you come from a background where you validated the worship of God, um, you know, by what you could touch. Maybe you had little icons or maybe you had statues that you bowed down or maybe, you know, you had beads that you rubbed rub together, right? Or whatever it is, you know, you, you had something that you could touch and you viewed that as worship. You guys, oftentimes we validate worship by what we can see. We go into a building, we go into an auditorium, and we look at a bunch of people, and they're raising their hands, and, and, and people are on the ground, and we're looking at what we see, and we're like, man, the Spirit of God is here, right? Because of what we see. We validate worship by what we hear. You might hear somebody quote something that's powerful, or scripture, or, or you, you might hear a testimony of somebody who's close to the Lord, and you go, man, that person really knows Christ. You see, you guys, all of us, all of us are in close proximity to the external parts of worship because we experience all parts of life through those five senses. Therefore, we validate genuine worship through those five senses. But genuine worship, you guys, is not merely a natural experience. It's not something that you can touch, feel, hear. It's not something that's present but it's supernatural it's something that takes you into the very presence of God so that you're bare and naked the same way you came into the world and you're prostrate before God and you realize he sees your soul he sees your soul he just doesn't see what you wear and what you dress and what you say he sees the inside of you the deepest part of your core And he knows who you are. He knows you more than your wife knows you. He knows you more than your husband knows you, more than your kids know you. He knows you. And when you get to that place with God, listen, there are no five senses. They don't exist. Because you worship God in spirit. So you can't literally touch him, but man, can you feel his touch? You you can't see him, For a a spirit does not have flesh and blood, but man, do you not see God? 1 Corinthians 2.14 puts it this way. The natural person does not understand the things of the spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, and he is not able to understand them because those things are spiritually discerned. The word natural man there is where we get the word soul. And the soul of a person is their mind, their intellect, their emotions. And so what God is saying here is, look, the soul of a person, their natural mind and their understanding can't understand God. That is why we say a man must be born again. The point is that what we experience externally does not always mean that there's a genuine heart worship. The Bible is going to show us what pure And genuine worship looks like while it plays itself out right next to false worship. Mark chapter 14. It was now two days before the Passover and the Feast of Unleavened Bread. And the chief priests and the scribes were seeing how to arrest Jesus by stealth and to kill him. For they said, not during the feast, lest there be an uproar from the people. And while he was at Bethany in the house of Simon the leper, as he was reclining at the table, a woman came with an alabaster flask of ointment, a pure nard, very costly, and she broke the flask and she poured it over his head. There were some who said to themselves indignantly, why was the ointment wasted like that? For the ointment could have been sold for more than 300 denarii, and given to the poor, and they scolded her. But Jesus said, leave her alone. Why do you trouble her? She has done a beautiful thing to me. For you always have the poor with you, and whenever you want, you can do good to them, but you will not always have me. She has done what she could. She has anointed my body beforehand for burial. And truly I say to you, wherever the gospel is proclaimed in this whole world what she has done will be told in memory of her then judas iscariot who was one of the 12 went to the chief priests in order to betray him to them and when they heard it they were glad and promised to give him money and he will show you a large upper room furnished and ready there, prepare for us. Verse 16, and the disciples set out and went into the city and found it just as he had told them, and they prepared the Passover. And when it was evening, he came with the 12, and as they were reclining at the table and eating, Jesus said, truly I say to you, one of you at this table will betray me, one who is eating with me. They began to be sorrowful and they said to him, one after another, is it I? He said to them, it is the one of the 12, one who is dipping bread into the dish with me. For the son of man goes as it is written of him, but woe to the man by whom the son of man is betrayed. It would have been better that that man had not ever been born. And as they were eating, he took the bread and after blessing it, he broke it and he gave it to them and he said, this is my body. And then he took the cup and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them and, he, and they all drank of it and he said to them, this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many. Truly I say to you, I will not drink again of the fruit of the vine until the day when I drink anew in the kingdom of God. Two very different portraits of worship, side by side with each other. One was more genuine than anybody in that room had ever witnessed in their life. They'd never seen anything like it. The other was as fake as it gets, and nobody knew it. You will have those who have a genuine heart to worship God. They're not perfect, and they don't hide that they're not perfect. They understand that they're messed up, but deep down, there's this desire to wanna be right with God, and you'll have that type of heart in the room, but equal to being present in that room with a a heart of genuine worship will be the fake, will be the one that has fooled everybody. Everybody will think as they dip into the dish, as they raise their hands, as they say what everyone else is saying, everyone will think they're the same. We see this in 1 Samuel chapter 1, in verse 13, when a woman named Hannah was without children, and she went into the temple, and she fell down on her face, and she cried before God. And we're told in verse 13, Hannah spoke in her heart, but her lips moved. She spoke in her heart. The essence of worship is that. It's a speaking in your heart before God. And as she's doing this, and her words or her lips are moving, but there's no words coming out, the one who wasn't a part of the worship, Eli, who's on the side over there, he's looking at that, and he doesn't understand that type of worship, the type of worship that comes out of the heart. And so he brings accusation against her, just like the people in this room brought accusation against this woman. And he says to her, Woman, why are you drunk in the house of the Lord? And she explained to him, I'm not drunk, sir. I'm in deep mourning. And I'm mourning from my heart because that's where I'm worshiping. Genuine worship of God can look very odd to those who aren't participating in it. In 2 Samuel chapter 6, the ark of the covenant was brought into the city. And as it was brought into the city, we're told that David was dancing before the Lord. And he was praising God in an ephod and just opening up to everybody. The maidservants were there. All the people were there. The priests were there. And David the king is just going off. And meanwhile, his wife, Michael, or Michelle, however you want to say it, she's up looking through a window and watching her husband, in her eyes, make a fool of himself. And so he comes up and she says, oh, how glorious the king was today. As you danced in the street before the maidservants, and you worship God, you look like an idiot, dude, is essentially what she was saying. And David replied to his wife in 2 Samuel, it was before the Lord that I celebrated. I wasn't doing this for you, sweetheart. I was doing this for God. And so let me let you in on something about worship, honey. I don't care what you think. I'm gonna be more undignified than this. You see, you guys, that's what you see with Hannah, that's what you see with David, and that's what you see with the woman in the text this morning. On the other hand, you see fake play itself out throughout scripture as well. And one of the most indicting things God would say to his people, he spoke to Ezekiel in Ezekiel 33. As the people were gathered, in verse 30, here is what God says to Ezekiel. Your people who talk together about you by the walls and at the doors of the houses say to one another, each to his brother, come and hear what the word is that comes from the Lord. Hey, Ezekiel, all the people, they're saying come and hear God's word. Great words, ding, ding, right? Perfect. Perfect. And they come to you, verse 31, as people come, and they sit before you as my people. This is the church or the house of Israel, the children of Israel. And they hear what you say, but they will not do it. For with lustful talk in their mouths, listen, they act. And their heart is set on their gain. And then he says, and behold, you are like to one of them a stringed, a stringed lustful song with a beautiful voice that plays well on the instruments for they hear what you say, but they will not do it. Let me interpret it in 2023. Ezekiel, go into the house of God and watch this. They're jumping up and down and they're praising and this is the most amazing thing and you're just this wonderful speaker and these songs are amazing and they act because their heart is set somewhere else. In our text this morning, there are two different portraits of worship, and I think you can learn, and I can learn from both of them. So let's take a look. Verse 1 and 2 places us in the final week, just a couple days before Jesus' crucifixion. Then in verse 3, Mark gives us a flashback to the Saturday before, six days before the Passover. John's Gospel tells us the same account in chapter 12, and here's what we know when we take the two together. Jesus is in Bethany, and he's been invited to a dinner in the house of a man whose name is Simon the leper. As everyone is reclining at this table, a woman who John tells us is Mary, Lazarus' sister, Martha's sister. Mary comes in, and in the middle of dinner, She takes an expensive bottle of perfume, and she pours it over the head of Jesus. Then she bows down on her knees, and she takes her hair, and she begins to wipe his feet. And Jesus tells us what's going on here, that she's anointing his body for burial. Now, in those days, they didn't have embalming. So what they did is they had these expensive, very potent perfumes. One was called myrrh. In this case, the other was called nard. And what they would do is take the perfume, and they would wipe portions of the body or dab it. Then they would wrap them up in a sheet, and then they would put them in a tomb. That was their form of embalming. And so what Mary was doing was obvious to everybody, but... What was puzzling to some in the room is how far she was going with this. You see, they would dab the body in places. They might wipe the body in places. You guys, a day's wages in those days was a single denarii, it was one denarii. What was said by those in this room that were watching this was that Mary poured out something that if they had sold it, they could have sold it for 300 denarii. So you do the math. If a day's wages is one denarii and she pours out something that they call an equivalent to 300 denarii, she just poured out something that was almost a year's wages. For some, you guys in that room, this was too much. They called it a waste. Judas, we're told, is the one who called it. And Jesus told them, you leave her alone. You see, folks... This wasn't just about burial. It was about an extravagant worship. It was about something unordinary. It was a worship that interrupted dinner. A woman interrupted dinner. That was not culturally acceptable. This was a worship that defied culture, didn't care what culture thought. Folks, this was a worship that was convicting amongst the people that weren't a part of it. I can't believe she's doing what she's doing. What a waste. It was a worship that came from a heart that had no, that had no limits, had no price and no care of what other people thought. You guys, what Mary was giving to Jesus was her entire heart. It was all she had. It wasn't just enough. It wasn't one day a week. It was her whole life. It was her life at school. It was her life at extracurricular activities. It was her life at work. It was everything. And this wasn't just an emotional experience. It wasn't just a one and done, waiting for the next liver quiver to arise, the next revival meeting or or wildfire conference. This was who she was. How do we know this? Because we're told that a couple years before this, In Luke chapter 10, verse 39, she sat at Jesus' feet and, quote, listened to his teaching. She listened to his teaching. In other words, folks, before she bowed in sacrificial adoration, she sat and learned who she was adoring. She sat and learned who he was. She, She just didn't go off her emotions. There was some substance. She sat and learned, she listened to the guy, she watched him, she listened to him say, I am. She came to believe that this was the one in John chapter 11 when she said to him, I know you can raise him from the dead. I know you have power over life and death. When this is why we teach the Bible here. This is why we go through the scripture. Because why? Because you gotta know who you're worshiping. I gotta know who I'm worshiping. He's the eternal, omnipotent, all-powerful, everlasting, ever-living God who stepped into a human body to pay for the sins of humanity. That matters in worship. He's not a creation. He's not a part of what he made. He's not your older brother. He is the eternal God. And people need to be taught that because when you're taught the truth about God, the adoration of God becomes deep and real and honest and inspiring. The more you learn about who Jesus is, the more radical and costly the outpouring of your worship becomes. And the people, listen, the people that are a part of it aren't, aren't a part of it, they won't get it. Folks, there's no shortcut to experiencing this type of worship. You must invest and you must hear God's word. You must know who you're worshiping. And I will tell you this, if you're in a church, you're watching online, you're visiting, if you're in a church and you're not receiving a steady dose, an in ingestion of God's word from the Bible, Listen, you're not going to know who you're worshiping and you're not going to know how to worship. You're going to put it together. You're going to assemble the parts in your five senses. You're going to assemble the parts in your own mind with your own emotion being the basis by which you worship. And when that happens, look right here. I'll just be honest with you. You get weird. You get really weird. God tells us how to worship. And if I don't do it his way, Listen, it doesn't matter how much emotion I put into it, the outpouring of that worship will be shallow. It'll be shallow with no content whatsoever because you don't know who it is. When you start to understand grace and because you're learning it in scripture, you get lower and lower and lower until you're prostrate on the ground because you can't believe that God would save a sinner like you or like me. And then what happens? is the truth that the more sin abounds, grace abounds even more. And he hooks you. The text shows us that pure heart worship was in that room and what it looked like, but interestingly, right next to the pure worship in the same room, we see the false worship. As Mary literally is knee deep and pouring it out to Jesus, Judas is disguised as a fellow worshiper and he was slowly revealing his fraudulent faith. To begin with, you guys, Judas was in the room with others, with other believers. He watched genuine heartfelt worship right next to him, a few feet away from him. We're told that the perfume filled the room, right? So Judas was in the presence of worship. Judas, we're told, saw worship. We're told that he smelled it. And he could even touch it if he wanted to. But none of those senses allowed him to participate in worship. It was all around him, but he was never a part of it because in his heart was betrayal. And nobody knew it except Jesus. He had everybody fooled, man, sat at the table, dipped the same bread in the same cup, everybody was fooled except one, Jesus, knew who he was, saw who he was, and came to a point where he called out who he was when he said, the one who dips in the cup with me is my betrayer. Jesus sees through all the sham in church. He sees right through every single heart Despite what we wear, despite what we say, despite how kind we are, he sees all of it. And he knows what's fake. As Judas sat at the table taking the bread and wine, Mark 14.10 says that he had already sold Jesus out. In other words, a false believer always has a secret life of betrayal. Always, always. A false believer, just like Judas, has a secret life of betrayal that nobody sees but God until what's done in the dark is shouted from the rooftop. And then it's exposed. And everybody's like, I can't believe that. Very hard to detect. But God sees all of it. Two expressions of faith. Two expressions of worship in the same room amongst the same people, feet away from each other, one legit, one not.
0: Thank you for joining us on today's episode of Shouts of Grace with Pastor Steve Pearson. We hope you've been encouraged to see the Bible as God's source of truth for everyday life and grace as the foundation for a genuine relationship with God. If you've been encouraged in your journey following and learning more about Jesus, we would love to hear from you. You can visit us online at ShoutsOfGraceRadio.com. There you can listen to all of our episodes, share them online with your friends, and find out more about Pastor Steve. Shouts of Grace is an outreach of Redemption Hill Church in Eagle Mountain, Utah, and we invite you to attend our Sunday morning gatherings. For location, sermon times, and contact information, check us out at rhutah.church. Thank you again for joining us on today's show. And from all of us here at Shouts of Grace, it is our prayer that you would grow in the grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ. Shouts of Grace is a production of Key Radio.